Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host Dr. Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode and this week we're throwing it straight over to Dr. Ellen Sears. Hi Stephen. How are you doing Ellen? I'm doing well, thank Excellent. You. Uh, Ellen, why are we throwing it straight over to you? Because it's my 50th episode. What? What? I'm going to probably edit in some air horns here or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it is your 50th episode of the podcast it as is. a guest. Congratulations. Thank you. Am I the first one to reach 50? I think I am. Easily. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. So on this program, it's tradition that when a guest uh, when a guest gets to episode 25, they get to pick a film and I can't say no. Uh, and because you've done that twice, this, uh, congratulations. We're just going to do this in multiples of 25. So, um, so my next one is at 75. I have a list of things. Oh, good. I, have, I have a list of films. Excellent. So. Well, well, I'm sure we I might actually through. get through some of them over the years, which is good. Uh, what have you chosen for us today, Dr. Ellen? So last time I hit a 25, I chose Girl Interrupted, which was kind of like a formative film text from my teen years. And mm-hmm. this time I have chosen a formative film text from my like childhood. And it is The Princess and the Cobbler, mm. um, which is a very interesting little film. And I didn't know about how interesting the history of this film was until a couple of years ago. I just grew up watching it on VHS tape and was like, this film's great. I love this film. This is really fun. And then, yeah, when I started looking at it as an adult, I was like, oh, mm. oh, okay. Yes. Now, Intriguing. for the folks at home, I think it's important to say this at the beginning, the version of this film that we are watching yes. is the version that was released in Australia. Yeah. So... I don't know the official name for it because there are like six different versions, but this is the version that was released in Australian cinemas in the mid-90s. Yeah, I don't even know that it went to cinemas. I think it just went straight to video. Okay. Quite possibly. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. I know it didn't go to cinemas in the UK. See, I've had to do all this reading about how this film got released (laughs) and it's very confusing. I know in the UK it never got a cinematic release. It was a straight to DVD release like 15 years after it came out, despite the fact Mm. that this is a predominantly British production. Yeah. but we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get yeah. into that. Um, so uh, joining us as our guest who hasn't seen the film, uh, it's Anna Weir. Hello. Anna, how are you doing? I, I'm good. I've also realised I'm the only person in this room who is not a doctor. Yes, that, that does happen <laughs> that sometimes. Happens. Apart from the dog. Yes, no, the, I didn't ask the dog. Uh, the dog, I don't believe, has any qualifications. Right. Uh, so, um, yes, I think you're safe there. <laughs> um, but yes, how have you been, Anna? Good. Yeah, I've been good. Yes, yeah, so the last time we uh, saw you was um, the man from Snowy River. It was. Yes. That was a fun time. Yes. Have you encountered any scary mountain horses since then? No, but on the drive up here today, I did do the thing where I looked out the window and went, ooh, horses. Yes. <laughs> like uh, a grown-up. Yes, indeed. Um, what do you know about The Princess and the Cobbler? So I've never seen this film, which is obvious, but when I was younger, my sister and I had a VCR copy of The Swan Princess. Mm. Oh, yes. And we and loved... the trailer is on it. And the trailer is on it. Yes, because so... I have that VHS of The Swan So I've seen yeah. the trailer for this film, mm-hmm. The Princess and the Cobbler, maybe 300 times. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because we were obsessed. Ellie and I were obsessed with The Swan Princess. Mm. Yeah. So I know that the animation style is very unique. Mm-hmm. And I remember I did look it up a few times over the years. And the Wikipedia article was very like version one and then this happened and then I was like ah it's too complicated yeah so I've seen the trailer for it mm. a lot and I always wanted to watch it mm. because I yes! thought it, yeah, oh that's like, so amazing I genuinely have wanted to watch this film since I was about seven and been like I guess that's just never gonna happen because mm. I'm lazy mm. um so I, I don't know much about the the cast like I don't know the voice cast or anything mm. like that but I'm very familiar with the visuals 
Well, yeah. I can tell you it is quite a diverse cast, including um, because of the production history, there are people who are in this film who had passed on before this film came out, but had ah. recorded their lines maybe 20 years earlier. Like the, the production history for this film is it's whack. Is decades long. It's, it's whack. It's um, so fun. Yeah. So we, which we, again, I didn't find out until later. And so funny that you're like, I've seen the trailer for yeah. this on this one. Princess I remember VHS. The guy's voice, and it was like, "There's a princess and a cobbler." And I was like, "Yes." Yeah. There's golden spheres. Yep. I remember golden the golden balls. That's yep. Right. I remember yep. those golden balls. So here's the thing: this VHS tape that my brother and I grew up watching has for, for the princess and the cobbler has the trailer for this one princess. <laughs> funny and i had this one princess i would have had the same version as you because it had the trailer for this because Mm. yeah so princess and the cobbler it was technically the vhs that my brother got for christmas Mm. and i got this one princess but we both loved this film Mm. love 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 and i basically like stole it and appropriated the vhs tape because i was like i love this so much but yeah we would have had the same one that's so funny yeah for years years. tell tell me you grew up in in the the 90s without telling me that you grew up in knockoff princess films yeah (laughs) yes um, what is The Princess and the Cobbler about, Ellen? Without, obviously, spoiling too much of the plot, but I presume a princess and a cobbler appear. Yeah, um, it's 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 based loosely on... It's it's basically like... This came out a very similar time to Aladdin, and Aladdin kind of overshadowed it in a really big way. Um, and also, obviously, the production history of this film was like very complex and long, so it never really got the same kind of recognition as kind of Disney films. I mean, like all of those great like Don Bluth films, like there's a lot of animated films coming out in the 90s that were kind of mm. not Disney and they didn't have as much money behind them necessarily, but they were doing some really interesting things. So yeah, it's, it's very similar to, it's not exactly Aladdin, but it, it's based on those kind of like Thousand and One Nights, like Arabian Nights type stories. Mm. Um, and there's a vizier, isn't there? There is, there is. So it's it's very it's it's very similar to something like Aladdin. You know, you've got the beautiful princess, you've got the um, humble cobbler, the, the, the humble poor boy who, and then you've got like you know, yeah, you you you're gonna be watching this and being like, oh yeah, no, these align very closely with a lot of the characters in Aladdin, mm. um, but not quite the same way. Um, but the visuals in this film are incredible. Mm, I remember um, those. Yeah, no, they're like it's 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 the most m- incredible like film in terms of its animation and the way that they did it, and also because they were looking at I think it was either like Moroccan or Turkish, um, like tile work, like the mosaics and all those kind of things, and the use of perspective is really interesting. Um, I think the last time I watched this film was about ten-ish years ago, because um, I had friends over and we're having a sleepover and I was just like let's watch a thing and I was like let's watch this movie and they were both like this is great so yeah I'm excited to watch it again I'm excited to see it for the first time yeah I'm really I'm excited. so stoked that you see like the a, trailer this is, yeah this is like a childhood dream <laughs> it's coming true in a very odd way well not very odd way I'm just watching a movie it is an but, odd way yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like come and watch the thing okay oh, well with all that being said I'm shall so we watch the princess and the cobbler yes I'm yes. so excited Okay, then. Uh, For those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and may I remind you, gentlemen, that when in doubt, consult the brigands' book as we watch The Princess and the Cobbler.
Welcome back everybody. We have just finished watching The Princess and the Cobbler and I'm joined once again by Dr. Ellen Sears and Anna Weir. Hello. Anna, this was your first time watching it The was. Princess and the Cobbler after a 20 or so year build up. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> um, what, what did you think? That was a trip. That movie was a trip. Mm. But it's good. It's mm. just, it's very... I don't know. It's, it's almost hard to describe it. It's very like, unlike anything. Yeah, it's pretty much any other animated film. We compare. We kept comparing it to things. We were like, "Oh, this bit's like Lord of the Rings," and this bit's like you know, there's so Aladdin, many. Yeah. and this bit is like yeah. But I mean, visually, it's phenomenal. Mm. Like the visuals are just stunning. Mm. Yeah, it's it's and weirdly wild. realistic. In a lot of ways as well, mm. though, because mm. you've got like, you know, the moat isn't like if it was a Disney film, the moat would be like sparkly and pretty yeah. in this. It is literally full of sewage. Yeah. And it looks disgusting. And, and, and the pipes going up the side of the palace, the sewage pipes going up the side of the palace, like the side of the palace is all clean and nice, except for where the sewage pipes are, where there's like mold and stuff. It's just, it's like, very clever. Yeah. There's yeah. A, there's a lot of really interesting details that, that are in there. And, and when we do discuss the production history mm. part of the reason for that is that they they pushed for that they they, they wanted this and that's partly why the production blew out by like a few decades uh, it's, <laughs> it, it, but yeah they were they were hand drawing this and they were hand drawing it at 24 frames a second as opposed to what was normal for animation at the time which was 12 so they were really pushing for those details and i think it's really interesting when they switch between the what what we were calling like the MC Escher mm. chase scenes where they're playing around with geometry and like Euclidean planes and yeah, yeah yeah and and like the detail on that sometimes it was almost like a white background with like the black and white checkered stairs that we see the thief uh, get chased by tack down yeah and there's so little on the screen but they're able to without clearly defining where the staircase is yeah you see it by the way the characters move through you follow it yeah, very easily with so the eye. clever and yeah. must have been so hard to animate yeah and then on top of that yeah you have the sequences like with the 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 pipes on the side of the palace with the dirt underneath them and then the little bits of a moving and mm. like the the bit that's holding the pipe onto the wall is like coming off or there's leaves and... falling off the pipe yeah there's always birds flying around randomly yeah. in the background in the sky the, the flies are always following always, the thief and the like flies. circling around mm. randomly how much of a bitch must those flies have been to animate mm. oh I, honestly they were always different they didn't just do like a holding pattern of no flies. they didn't they were constantly moving they were constantly moving mm. yeah no like insane depths of detail yeah um, and then it's just a really good story. Yeah, it's, it's just a, it's really a, it's fun. It's a cute little story, and it's really well paced. Mm. Like it's just such a good balance between. There all were never the any bits where I was like, "Oh, this is really slowing down now. We need to no. like." Mm. It's it's snappy. They keep it going. Yeah, and so it, it is an adaptation of um, a story from the One Thousand and One Arabian Nights, yeah. um, and it is um, uh, in, in terms of the story that we see in this version and again the the versions they're all mixed and matched so there's the it's it's really hard to actually we're watching this and it's really hard to tell which version we're watching but ellen you you said that most of what we saw was what you remember from yeah the so there VHS was a couple release. of there was a couple of little tiny visual things mm. like um you know like zigzag was holding a slightly different card or like when the brigands make the letters they didn't they made different letters to the ones that they made in the version that i mm. had um and little 
just little tiny bits and pieces like that. Mm. Um, but this is also... We were, uh, well, this is a remaster is that's a remaster. been done in the last uh, couple of years. Ah, okay. So it's, There's a it's, lot it, of remasters on YouTube. Yeah, the, the sort of right. the, the official versions of it are the, the unreleased version, um, which was never technically finished. The released version that was in... The Miramax one? Well, the Miramax one came later. Yeah. So there was the released version, which is the one that had the original voice cast, which then was changed for the Miramax version, which is where, like, Matthew Broderick is in the Miramax version, but he wasn't in the version we watched. But it sounded like it. I think it it might have been. Yeah, I I feel as though... But I don't know if he was credited for it or if he was, like, credited for, like, I don't know. It's really hard to tell because it does sound like him. But then it didn't sound like him singing because I've watched the producers, like, a thousand times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we know what he sounds like singing. And I think these remasters, what they've done is they've mixed and matched elements of different versions the voices with different were, the voices were spot on yeah to the one that i watched on vhs ah, as a okay. kid. so there was because one of the ones so uh, 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 one of our other guests who comes on the podcast quite a lot um dan buckle when he saw that we were doing this film he was like i love this film i'm like of course you were like the only other person who, on, who, yeah. who comes on the program who knows this because that's just so so it's just so him um and he was like but which version are you doing ah. and i was like we're doing this one and he was like does the thief talk in it? I said, no, it just makes weird grunting noises. Mostly he was like, that's my boy. And I was like, yeah. So he's like, yeah, no, we, we, we have the same version. Okay. I'm like, I mean, yeah, like 90s VHS. Yes, we, that we, would, be what we would have released. had the same one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there are versions of this film which are called The Thief and the Cobbler, yeah. not The Princess and the Cobbler. Yes. Uh, or indeed a, Arabian, Arabian Night, Night yeah. which is another one. So yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. I, basically, if you watch a version of this film, you will see largely... A lot of the same stuff but it mm. might be displayed differently yeah. um, or have um, slightly different voices or uh, like the songs are in it or yeah. they're not this is the version it's got the songs the thief doesn't talk i guess those are kind of like the main yeah features of it yeah. and the credits had the additional deleted thief yeah, sequences deleted that were just sequences. under the credits um the story is though that um there is a princess yes princess yum yum um who lives in the golden city, which is protected by the golden balls, I think we all did very well not to laugh. Thank you. Whenever I they was talked being about balls, mature. Yes, I did notice at one point where they were like, "We have to get the balls," and you just made a huh, noise. But other than I that, think the one that really got me was when the vizier was like, "Now I've got the balls, and I can talk to the king." <laughs> yeah. Now that I have the balls, I can go see the king. Yeah. It was just like, huh. it was very funny. Um, but yes, the, the golden city is protected by the golden balls. The princess who lives there and is the daughter of King Nod, um, she is like, I, I want much more than this provincial yeah, life. She does. She does the father. When do I get to go outside? Yeah. Like, when do I get to leave and be on my own? No. She's she's like. I'm, I'm not just a pretty face. Like, I want to do things. I want to help him. And the king's, I help the king's quite useless because the city is so protected by the magical balls that mm. he doesn't really have to do his job. Mm. So yeah. he falls asleep all so the time. So he falls asleep all the time, mm. hence King Nod. Mm. And then the vizier comes to town, mm. runs afoul of, of the... Um, what's the word? I was going to say butcher. There's no butcher in this. The, the cobbler. cobbler. Yeah. Oh, yes, the cobbler, who only ends up in that situation of uh, spilling tax in the street where the vizier is about to stand because of the thief, who is... The greatest character. Yes. There not is only... a version of this called The Thief and the Cobbler. Yeah. yeah. So it's not even the princess. It's like, screw the princess. It's the all thief. about these guys. The thief. And I almost feel that might actually be more accurate. Although... Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. well, I mean, 
Princess Yum Yum was... Yeah, I feel like Princess Yum Yum and Tack are on about the yes, same level. It is the thief truly the thief. is out by himself. The thief is wily coyote <laughs> in, like, cosplay. He he's yes, he he's just... Half of this film is this mostly silent, in this version, uh, sort of... He almost looks like a Simpsons gremlin like like the, the, he does look like a gremlin yeah like the um sort of like the sh- the way they, d- they do the eyes when it's like his when, eyes are very yellow yeah when he's, he's doing, very yellow when he's doing the little shifty look he almost looks a bit like characters from like um the the matt groaning fantasy series uh, oh disenchantment disenchantment yeah yeah he does look like elfo yeah yeah that's it elfo yeah there's bits of the time that's that's elfo that's yeah, yeah. which and, is probably where they got that from indeed um but yeah he's just this this is like shambling like shape little tiny skinny (laughs) string bean of nothing yeah this huge coat and like none of the laws of physics apply to him no no No, he he is only 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 when it's funny yes they only (laughs) apply when (laughs) it's it's funny funny. yeah and he he very much is in the sort of uh looney tunes tradition of just he can't be hurt for some reason or he can't be harmed he's just sort of hurt but he always like pops back up again yeah and he just keeps going he's scrapped from ice age and it's uh, but it's really interesting that he's so compelling C- compared to the rest he of the film, is. which is pretty interesting. Yeah. But it's almost as though they've just added this this additional element that is just. But he's a incredible. big part of like, you know, if he does, if he didn't steal the balls, then there would be no story. Exactly. You know, mm. so he's and the one then... who kicks who kicks it off. He steals the golden balls, and then the golden city on the hill is now vulnerable to attack mm. by the one eye. Yes, the the, the horde sh- of one eye. The, yes. The, suppose yeah. yeah and uh but then of course he steals them back and saves the day so yes. he kind of fixes his own yeah, he, yeah he's mm. and along the yeah. way he tries to steal a bunch more stuff yeah and succeeds and quite a lot succeeds quite a lot constantly yeah yeah so i suppose he's a pretty good thief you, you're just always kind of rooting for him because yeah. you're like you're an idiot and i love you and you why are you doing this you're so stupid but he's so compelling and so fun to watch and he's so stupid stupid you're just like oh bless you mm. i must admit bless at you. the beginning i was like i don't like this thief and i i was like i don't like this character at all and then i genuinely he's genuinely I genuinely came around to him yeah he's mm. it, yeah and then at the end when he's like oh i don't really want to give him back and he's kind of like holding them like I don't really oh, want it. and then he gives them back yeah he, and we, the other thing that we said about him we were like oh he's kind of like he's very mr bean like mm. he's a little bit rowan atkinson like around the eyes and sometimes when he's really proud of himself he has a bit of a Mr. Bean thing going on. Yeah, he's got he's got an ever so slightly like smug face that he does. Yeah, which like, is, he does. Yeah. I did the thing. Yeah, yeah I did the thing. He's he's very driven by his own greed, and yes. I think that's something that we can all sort of like acknowledge. Like that stories about greed, where we follow a character that does the thing that I think we know we can't do, which is just one hundred percent pursue the one thing we're super. Yeah greedy about it's and the same to, with Wiley Coyote point of ignoring everything else yeah like he ignores every other thing that is not the thing that he wants yeah yeah and, and that's and that's fun you can't have an entire film with those characters and that's why I think he's used really well mm. in contrast with Yum Yum and Tack who are these like star-crossed lovers who I'm gonna say I was genuinely like yeah you two actually asked well suited for yes each other. right and it's so funny because like they meet each other mm. and there's just that moment and it just like massive really far zoom into her face yeah huge zoom into his face and they just look at each other and kind of tilt their head one way mm. and then they tilt their head the other way and it's just like oh huh. it's you yeah huh. okay but they spend time with that moment yeah, yeah the whole sort of love at first sight thing which i'm gonna say this isn't because yeah. i don't think it's no. it's, not, it's not like i, I love very, him i love her it's I think just they look at each other by each other yeah, yeah. intrigued is a good word they're just kind of like oh 
it's like you know sometimes when you meet people and you just click with them instantly mm-hmm. and you're yeah. like oh like you're 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 my person oh my god mm. you you are one of my people like but they give them enough character that it's not yeah weird well it's yeah, that they you go. Yeah. Oh, that's what they do like each other because there's substance behind. Yeah. yeah, and there's that whole scene where he's like, "I'm trying to impress her with my cobbling tricks," and he's like, you know, stitching up her shoe and stuff, and she's just all blushy and they're flirting with each other, and the nanny is just like, "Oh my god, you guys, can you stop making eyes at each other? I'm so sick of this." Like, you're a princess, you're a cobbler. This is never gonna work. This is never gonna work. Yeah. And then of course it does. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and then he just keeps turning up because he's just like, she's so beautiful and she's so she's pretty so cool. and so stuff, and then she's like, okay, well, if somebody has to go out into the desert and do stuff, well, clearly I'm the one who has to do that so i'm gonna go do that and yeah. he's just like man you're amazing and then they work together they do mm. they work they together problems. they solve the problem together so yeah it's it is really nicely done i like them they're yeah. great they're they're, they're they're a good couple in terms of like like children's movie protagonists like 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 um romantic lead thing normally it's like like if you compare this to like jasmine and aladdin in yeah. aladdin like by the end of that you're reading for them you're like yeah like yeah, they should right. be good together but with this you're genuinely like yeah these two are really good together they should get married they should get married yeah uh, absolutely good also i mean the the story of aladdin which i know is the one that this film gets compared a lot to because mm. of the release time and the fact it's an arabian tale and all yeah. this um the the I almost think it's slightly unfair because so much of what Aladdin ended up being about was him using deception to try and achieve above his station. Yeah. Whereas the cobbler was never interested in that. The cobbler no. just wanted to cobble. Yeah, he um, just wanted to cobble, and then he meets the princess, and he's like, "I just want to be near her." Yeah, which is why I think it's it's it, it's want. almost yeah, a little that's unfair. A, that's a really good point because he never pretends. Yeah, his name is Tack for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, you can't he, get away. He from could that. make up a name. What you she, see is what you get. Yeah, she yeah. doesn't know what his name is. He could say something cooler yeah. than that, and he just yeah, he is honest to a fault. He is, and it works out for him in this film, which is nice. Yeah, um, mm. I, yeah, it's it it is a really nice sort of love story, but it's more yeah, yeah as you say, they're they're kind of like their partnership is one of like respect and working together yeah, that evolves trust and into love. Yeah, mm. um, and like even lovely. when they get married at the end, they don't kiss straight away. They hug each other. Yeah, it's just like, mm. aww. And then you get that beautiful little flashback sequence, which is like <laughs> all the stuff we've like just a watched music in the video, film. essentially. Of like this is everything that's happened, and Look, this is how they fell in love, and this is how they fell in love, and then they get their you know end of movie kiss, and it's like, mm. aww. Yeah, um, and I also uh, good good uh, heroes need good villains. And oh. need good villains. Zigzag. Uh, voiced by the late great Vincent Price, who was late and great when this film was finally released. Um, yeah. When yeah. did he? When did he pass away? It was the early nineties. Well, this was ninety three. Yeah. He. I'll, I'll double check. But Vincent Price as Zigzag is sensational. Um, he he died in nineteen ninety three. So he died ah. the same year this was released. In but America. his stuff had all been recorded, like literally. His stuff was recorded in the seventies. Because yeah. I was going to say he doesn't sound old. In it. You know, when you no. get older and your voice yeah. has that quality, well, he doesn't sound old. Obviously, the most sort of famous vocal work he did was for Thriller for the Michael Jackson song, ah, 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 and, that, ah, and that was done in the mid eighties. Ah. And like comparing, and this sounds very similar. Mm, it it is. It is similar, but he does sound a little more youthful in this. Mm. Uh, as as, but it works said. because the vizier is actually he's not particularly old. No, he's mm. very blue, but he's not particularly. Yeah, old. it's weird how he's like just yeah. again crossing over to Aladdin, where you've got the genie who's blue, mm. like the magical character being blue is oh, quite yeah, interesting. That's another little link. Yeah, whereas obviously he's almost like a mixture of the genie and Jafar, 
Mm. Uh, the, the vizier looks this. wise he's very well, Jafarish yeah I think, in, I, th- like I, I think in some because he's magical as well there's mm. in in some um of the I guess law behind like gin and genies and stuff there's a connection to blue there somewhere because a lot of the time when I see them in media there's a use of blue mm. to kind of connote that mm. connote denote it's, denote thank you that was what I'm looking for so I'm wondering if it's, there's a little bit of that, like because he's magical, like he's. I mean, it very well could be. His his little hench people, yeah, well, like one's pink, well. one's green, one's like orange, yeah. little square one, like they're. But yeah. the, the tack was white. Tack was like paper white. He was just super pasty because yeah. he just sits in he his never, cobbling shop never went all day and never goes outside. And like Nanny, who's got a tan face because that's the only part of her that yeah. actually goes out in the sun, and, and then gigantic her arms, blue arms, gigantic, <laughs> just. Huge muscular tank, blue muscular arms. arms. She's great. Hmm. So, uh, having just done some very preliminary internet research into why are genies and gins depicted as being blue, um, I am consulting from Reddit, so mm-hmm. this may not be completely accurate. But having just done a quick Google, um, in One Thousand and One Nights, there's a story called The City of Brass, which describes the smoke that transforms into a genie as blue. Uh, so the okay. co- the color carries over from that. Right. Okay, that and, would make sense. Yeah, so it, it does seem to be that it's something that all of these visual artists have taken from the source text and gone, blue smoke, we can make the genie blue. Because gin and genies aren't always depicted as that. I remember no. some old, uh, like, sort of Sinbad or that era of films, uh, the, like the Harryhausen era, where they would have genies who would just be uh, whatever skin colour the actor was, yeah, but they would be guy. like, they'd be like a hundred foot tall would be the <laughs> difference. So they'd be like green screened in or rotoscoped in to be giant and going, uh, your wish is my command and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the, the character of, of Zigzag is um, just, just works really nicely. I think the fact he talks in rhyming couplets is good, is, is wonderful. It feels very like pantomimic in children's theatre. Yeah, and I really like the way that his shoulder blades mimic the wings of his pet vulture yeah yes that's like a cool little yeah yeah you weren't sure that this guy was bad huge and terrifying mm. yeah well speaking of huge his... terrifying teeth well one eye he one was eye. like a shark it was like the roof of his mouth mm. was just teeth yeah yeah he... terrifying yeah. and i like that he, he almost looked a bit like and again it feels as though a lot of the, all the things that i'm referencing are things which have come post this, uh, this film but um in the cartoon samurai jack Oh, the baddie in that is, um, I think his name is Aku, and he is of this very two-dimensional. Uh, I mean, I know it's a cartoon, but mm. like that, that sort of two-dimensional blocky style where like his beard is almost like part of his torso, that that sort of thing, and one eye and the whole style of what was happening in one eye's realm. Yeah, they were a different. Yeah, there it, were so many different art forms that were. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why this probably wasn't as successful because like something like. Like your Disney movies at this time are very like aesthetically, they have mm. a very specific thing and that's consistent across the whole thing. Whereas something like this or like a lot of the stuff that was coming out of like Don Bluth and those yes, kind of things, they were a little more, bit more experimental. And yeah. I, I would argue that this is, I think this is probably one of the most like interesting and kind of like experimental animated films around this time, like that I've seen. Yeah. Because this was like my childhood growing up. Like this was, so this came out in 93 when I was five and we would have gotten the vhs for this either that christmas or probably the following one mm. i guess so i was probably about six or seven when i saw this for the so first yeah, time i'm very guessing. impressionable mm. oh yeah absolutely but yeah it's just 
it's very unusual and mm. it's that it's that mixture of different styles of art it's that mix of um hyper realism and then stuff that's just so completely not and very two-dimensional and yeah mm. it's... and again like when we meet the um the brigands their art style is very yeah they've changed again. again yeah it's almost that feels it's like it's almost the old... like this film was made over like 30 years well true but but also <laughs> like thought? the choices there as well like they feel like something out of like the the animated bfg cartoon yeah like they felt like the giants from that because they don't look like people no it, the, the, they're like trolls yeah there's a guy who's like top half of his head looked like it was a thumb sticking out over a mouth like that guy really and stood then out the guys who've got their that's the thing with the brigands i'd love to see like the character designs for them because like the first guy that comes in when you were like does he have a hook for a foot as well as a hand i'm like yeah he does yeah. but every time i watch it i notice something different about one of them mm. like and they're you know, all different sizes as well but then they yeah. seem to be in a lineup and they're all the same size but then they separate like, yeah they're like shapeshifters yeah. i don't know they're weird but yeah, they're, but they also can't read or They're write. really good fun, and they've got the best song. They had a great song. Their song is so good. Yeah, I, just teaching about the dangers of uh, illiteracy. <laughs> <laughs> it will, will lead to uh, criminal gangs roving the desert, which sort of like the natural conclusion from that is that I hope that when Tack does become king, he does. They're there in the background. No, no, but the, the, what I'm saying is, I hope that when Tack does become king. He institutes a like, like nationwide literacy program. program. I think he would. Yeah. Because, you know... It'd be it, like, it, you know, it, the Ruthless Reading and Writing Academy or something. That's a good name for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Learn to read ruthlessly. <laughs> the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. <laughs> that kind Out of thing. Out of uncharge. Yeah, they were... And the book. The book of yeah. words with the bookworm. Console. Yes. And the bookworm's missing half of its skin. Ugh. Yeah, it was... It was just, just lots of really fun ideas. <laughs> yeah, that they... And the fact that some of the brigands were missing teeth and eyes mm. and noses. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, stuff. And again, it, like, the, it's just... the, there were a few things which were like visually reminiscent of both the live action and animated Lord of the Rings films. Yeah, uh, yes, the, definitely. The, the brigands felt a lot like the design for the orcs mm. in Return of the King. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, the war machine. Yeah, that was like... Isn't it terrifying? And the, that was the frightening. And, and the armored elephants getting lifted down, and they're yeah. all like the the giant crab monster yeah. thing. It was just incredible. That the machine is built around. And, and like someone, I know this sounds silly and reductive because of course they did, but someone came up with that. Yeah, you know, someone sat down and thought about it and, and came up with that incredible blades. idea. Yeah, like there's that one shot where it's like the different sets of blades come out. It's yeah. just like swing, 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 swing. It's like. Things that look the, like giant crab arms that like pop out and actually they're all armored like longbows. And- yes. yeah. yeah, like so much shiny. And and interesting how, you know, and, and vi- I think obviously there's very specific shapes. Like so in the palace, you've got all of those beautiful like stars and tessellations. Yeah, and, and that's all very Turkish and Very Ottoman. Turkish, very Ottoman, which makes sense. Um, and then with the, and, but there's all those beautiful colors and it's, mm. you know, it's blue and it's red and it's yellow and it's like all this golds stuff and, and bronzes. golds and bronzes and everything that's shiny in this looks so good. And then you get to the one eyes and it's just gray on gray on black, but it's so visually striking. And yeah, then there's a little still... pop of red and it's and like, all like the barbarian ladies were green. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, 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 the people who formed all the furniture. <laughs> yeah. Stephen liked this very much. I just, I, I, what I love the most about <laughs> it was it was such a great way of showing this guy is not only powerful, 
but evil. Mm -hmm. And like the fact that his servants were literally forming his furniture and the fact he just got up from this like Shay lounge made out of people and went throne Whoa. and they just all <laughs> contorted and gymnasted themselves into the shape of the throne that he then sat on. I was like, and then that's all like, good visual oh, storytelling. When he sits on them. Yeah. So it's obviously like super painful for them. Yeah. And then I love the fact that they kill him. Yes, that's that's the, the thing is like the, his comeuppance was arguably more satisfying than zigzags where it was like i thought it was better yeah because we hadn't known the alligators that eat zigzag we hadn't known them as intimately as we knew the 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 throne the throne ladies yeah the throne ladies and the fact that he was literally overthrown was very very pleasing (laughs) from a wordplay perspective um yeah i also just love the fact that the giant war machine became a rube goldberg machine when the thief accidentally the, the combination of tax tack and the thief trying to get the balls back yeah, it just... destroyed this machine it was and it was so good mm. like and that sequence goes on for quite a while it does mm. but, it's, but it's so it's enjoyable never... to watch yeah, yeah. i was never like oh god they've been doing this for a while like it's yeah. never boring it's... no because they keep doing different yeah, things the every story time. is always progressing even though you're still in a rube goldberg machine you're still like the thief story is progressing yeah mm. i'd love to see this in a cinema I think I'd yeah, really love to cool. see it projected proper because obviously, like you know, clean it up, like get it as remastered as you can. Yeah, because there was a couple of scenes in this because this the, the version that we watched was um, a remaster. Because mm. um, there's a lot of remasters out there that have been done by fans, and so that was the one that we watched because it was one that most closely matched the the one that I could find that was mm. like the best quality of the the version that I saw. Um, but there was a couple of like little shots where you could tell that it was from like a different version. Mm. Yeah. And they hadn't been was... cleaned up as mm. much. Mm. But yeah, I think this would, yeah. Yeah. It's... Which version do you do? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very fun. And, and that's the it's thing. So fun. At no point was I bored. bored. Like it, 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 it's one of no. those things where it's like, it's very sort of like, I'm going to use the word formulaic, but not, not to mean like formulaic I think is used negatively quite Mm. a lot Mm. it follows a very sort of specific formula that works really well particularly with telling fables and and also keeping in mind that this Mm. is a film for children yeah Mm. this is a film for children yeah and I think it's too like advanced for children I think I friggin loved this as a kid and the Mm. older I got the more I watched it it's like high art yeah yeah Rather than I appreciate this so much more, like the visuals, like now as an adult, Mm. and even watching it like ten years ago to now, like totally different. What I really appreciate about this is that some of the visual imagery around the war machine felt like it could belong. You could try and recreate the same thing in something like Mad Max Fury Road, and it would work. Yeah, but at the the same time, they're jumping on the drums. But and you were like, oh god, it's Mad Max Fury Road. It is, yeah. But at the same time. You have visuals with the thief that are just a coyote drawing mm. away from being the Looney Like when, when he was trying to get down from the mountain and he decides that he'll use palm fronds. As, yeah, to as fly wings. and steal the ruby. Yeah. Which, which doesn't work the first time, but then the second time turns him into a prop plane. Yeah. And in fact, works fine. And then, mm. that was the thing. You were like, yeah. oh no, you can't fly. And I was just sitting there like, but he can. <laughs> and he started flying. You were like, oh, apparently he can. Yeah. And with the plane noises, it's so yeah. silly. I can see why this would have been a really troubling production, though, given how oh, yeah. wildly, oh, God, yeah. wildly different aspects of this film mm. are. Um, and the fact is, is but I think it still works. Well, which it is works. Very surprising, but, but it's not. It's not all sort of like. It's not uniform in no, its in all. its in its direction in its visuals, and that's partly because of obviously changes with the production team, mm. particularly to get this thing finished. I um, think this version yeah. of it is a really good 
Like they've put it together really well. And I know that there are people out there who were like, the one with the songs is the worst. And I'm like, well, this is the one that I grew up with. And like, honestly, I think the songs are actually pretty good. Yeah, I liked the song. Yes. I like, I, I enjoy this one. I love the way it's been put together. They give you more character information. Yep. Like you wouldn't care half so much about the brigands if you hadn't listened to their song. No. About, you know, how they're stuck in the desert because they never learned to read or write. Yeah. yeah. We don't even know ma- mathematics. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a real problem. They can't tell you how long because, they, because we never <laughs> learned addition. Like, the song is just so good. Yeah. yeah. They're so good. You need those moments They're of intense humble. character focus. Yeah. Would you like some trivia about so The Princess and the Cobbler? Yes, yes please. Okay. All of this trivia was sourced from IMDb, so if it's not true, don't blame me. Um, this film holds the record for the longest production schedule of a completed feature film. 28 years. God. Yeah. That's almost my whole life. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. it's in, it's a long turnaround. <laughs> um, the movie was originally conceived by Richard Williams as an attempt to make the greatest animated movie of all time. So, you know, hum- humble, humble. Yeah, aim. humble beginnings. Humble beginnings. Um, it later became his own reason for living, quote. Oh, no. So Richard Williams was very invested in getting this. This was his big passion project. Right. And, you know, lasted 28 years. One would hope that passion was part of it. Um, After failing to secure funds from private investors or a studio to make the movie, Williams decided to finance it on his own, taking small jobs on television commercials or Saturday morning cartoons and using the proceeds to hire his own group of animators. The production moved in fits and starts until the success of 1988's Who Framed Roger Rabbit? which allowed Williams to make a deal with Warner Brothers to finance and distribute the movie. Uh, As the production continued, however, it became obvious that Williams was not going to be able to meet the 1991 release date originally set by the studio. This was due to numerous delays. Not least um, were the director's insistence on absolute perfection and hesitation in using storyboards, two circumstances which often resulted in whole sequences being scrapped and reshot. With Warner Brothers nervous about the release of Aladdin coming in 1992, mm. uh, which obviously resembled mm. this this story, um, the studio turned over completion of the movie to the Completion Bond Company, which promptly fired Williams Aww. and brought on animator Fred Calvert to finish the movie as cheaply and quickly as possible. Calvert heavily re-edited the movie and altered the story, bringing in voice actors to redub the lead characters. This version was eventually distributed by Miramax. The movie was cut even further before debuting in theatres. Um, through bootleg copies of Williams' original print, um, they were able to circulate more of what Williams originally had in mind. Several restoration attempts have been proposed. There has not yet been an official director's cut. So what else has Richard Williams done? Well, uh, Richard Williams, after a quick internet search, I can confirm one is no longer with us, sadly. Uh, he passed away in 2019. Uh, but Richard Williams uh, worked on a number of animated shorts and features um, in the 60s and 70s, um, mostly on British TV. He was the animation director of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, okay. Nice. All right. So that's yeah, a pretty big deal. He also voiced Droopy in that film. So the going down like that was yeah. him oh, really? so apparently he did a pretty decent droopy which is good to know um yes uh he also animated the title sequence of casino royale from 1967 cool um he was the title designer for a funny thing happened on the way to the forum okay um okay. yeah really so eclectic mix yeah well he he 
a, a lot of the films of the 60s and 70s had animated title sequences, mm. even though they were live action. So he animated two of the Pink Panther films, ah. the, the little Pink Panther yeah. animations hmm. with um, uh, the Inspector well, again, He was trying to get around. money from like big jobs so that he yeah, could pay to mm. do this. So, so yeah, he, he worked on quite a few quite a few different things and, and did well for himself. It's kind of sad that his magnum opus wasn't considered that way by... Yeah, but also like that that insistence on that perfection yeah. held them up for so long. And the fact is, he is shot that himself in the foot to an extent. Like it's yeah, I, I guess that that inability to like make concessions mm. has proven to be a, a proved to be a problem for him. Mm. And the fact is, is they basically brought in Fred Calvert, who was like the uh, hatchet job yeah. guy in the animation <laughs> world at the time. Just bang it together, just, just to Too get it right. out the door. Get it sorted. Get yeah. it out there so that we don't lose money. The original brigands um, were mostly Irish voice actors. Oh, that would have been fun. Richard Williams convinced them to record the sequence after making sure they had plenty to drink uh, while they were doing the script reading. (laughs) Amazing. He kept the tape rolling as they got more and more drunk. Eventually, the voice actors started fighting, which he got on tape and is used in the film. Oh my god. So when the brigands start fighting each other, that was the voice actors actually <laughs> fighting each other and they just kept the tape rolling. I don't think that would pass uh, pass muster now. Probably not, but <laughs> I mean, you couldn't tell when no. you were watching it. It felt like, oh yeah, no, this feels organic yeah, and well. what they're meant to be doing. Uh, and and it was. Uh, this was Vincent Price's final released acting role. Um, although this movie was released officially in 1995. Ah, right. Um, that he, would make sense. He recorded the lines in 1972. Wow. Um, That's a long time. Yeah. That's a hugely long time. In the original version of the film, Tack was only going to speak a single line. Mm. And the actor that was going to record that single line was Sean Connery. That would have been... <laughs> what? No. Now, this would have been Sean Connery, I presume, in the 70s. Still. But it is still weird. Does like, it say what the line was going to be? Um, Tuck. <laughs> it would have been a talk. I don't know what it would have been. It would have been. It probably, yes. been, it probably would have been the answer to the riddle. Yeah, it would that, have been yeah. Yeah. weirdly a single talk. Yeah. Yeah. Weirdly, it was Miss Moneypenny. What are you doing here? <laughs> um, he never showed up to the recording, oh, so he'd been booked for the gig and then just never showed up. So instead, a friend of the director's wife recorded this. Um, despite the despite that, Sean Connery is still credited in some versions as the voice of Tack. That seems unfair. Yeah. Yeah, but if you can say Sean Connery's in your film, you might get... That's true. People People might be like, ooh, Mm. Sean Connery. Where was he? I don't know. (laughs) The American video version reinstates the original title of The Thief and the Cobbler, but is in all other respects the edit released by Miramax, originally under the title Arabian Night. Mm. This edit strips the original soundtrack, adds three song sequences, removes many scenes, including an expanding view of One-Eyes Palace, the King in Torment, and the clever thief using Yum Yum's stolen hand-shaped back scratches to survive a hand shopping, which is in the... Oh, yeah. yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, so some of those scenes are in the, yeah. that version. And that, was, this, that was a good little This number. version added a lengthy narration by Matthew Broderick and Jonathan Winters, who were playing Tack and the Thief, respectively. Uh, it also replaces the original witch with a large eye, thanks to new dialogue by Jennifer Beals and Clive Revel. None of this was in the 1968 voice recording session starring Vincent Price. The version released in Australia was titled The Princess and the Cobbler and yes. was much closer to Williams's original cut. Oh, see? That's, that's, see? that's it, good then. Albeit uh, still with the songs. In this version, as in the original, 
Fido and the thief never speak. So the mm. vulture speaks in a oh. sort of Iago move, I guess, in, in the uh, edited version. Mm. Uh, the thief survives um, a hand chopping sentence. Williams's legendary near finished uh, widescreen work print of the movie survives on bootleg video, although many scenes are still in pencil test form. Oh, yep. wow. Yeah. Mm. But they're out there. That's yeah. the thing. There are like Reddit forums like dedicated to remasterings and recuts of this and people trying to recreate like what it would have been if oh, it had been original. the way that he wanted it oh that's really sweet isn't it yeah like this it lives on yeah it's got like a serious cult following wow. which again i only found out when i went back and looked at it again for the first time in years like about 10 years ago when i watched it again with some friends and then in the intervening 10 years i sort of found out oh this is like a, a big whole deal. thing yeah holy crap and it's because I went to go looking for it online because I was like, I've only got it on VHS. Yeah. I'd love to watch it. but And then it's it was hard. this whole... And then it was like 20 million remastered versions on YouTube. And I was like, okay, and clicked one and went, oh no, this, this is, is not this, this is, is not my, my movie. Mm. This is not my beautiful film. This is not my beautiful <laughs> thief. Mm. Um, the final bit of trivia uh, comes uh, regarding Fred Calvert taking over the uh, production. Sue Shakespeare of Creative Capers Entertainment had previously offered to solve the story issues they were having when this film was in its turmoil in the early 90s. Um, she proposed keeping Williams on board and suggested that they bring in Terry Gilliam to consult. Oh, wow. Which that I think would have been, been, been a great move considering how Python-like some yeah, of the animation was. the vibe is very much the same. It's uh, very Python-y. Now, Richard Williams uh, reportedly agreed to this proposal, but uh, Shakespeare's bid was ultimately rejected by the Completion Bond Company in favour of what they perceived to be the cheaper option was mm. by Fred Calvert. Fred Calvert's, about the money. Fred Calvert's version mm-hmm. uh, ended up going over budget and cost ha. more than what uh, Shakespeare proposed. Ha. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I, part of me really doesn't want another complicated film on Terry Gilliam's record, no. <laughs> given his, uh, his track record. Um, but, but he would have been great. He would have been. Yeah. So but maybe it wouldn't have been complicated. Yeah. He might have come and looked at this and gone. He just sorted it out. Actually, this is weirder than I would have gone. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, pair it back. And again, there were moments in this, Ellen, that you were saying were like Baron Munchausen, a, a Gilliam film. Well, that's a, well, that's the thing. Like mm. the bit where the thief is holding onto the ball and he gets shot out of the cannon and he's like floating mm. through the stuff and he gets slammed into the thing, which is like the um, the co- giant the coils. No, not the no, coils. That's a different bit. Um, it's the it's like a giant. And then the elephant fall. Did the did that actually happen? Did the elephant fall on like you, you know the um the the bellows that you use yes. to like yes okay yes that did happen <laughs> yeah 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 so There's a lot he, to he's, he's stuck in the bit and then that gets oh, yes. smushed and he mm. comes out of the bellows like yeah all of that bit but that bit and then in Baron Munchausen there's a bit where um he hangs onto a cannonball that's been shot and he just flies like mm. 20 kilometers but that's live action but that's live action oh yeah so when we saw Baron Munchausen I was like yes. Because we watched that a couple, uh, last year on the pod, mm. and I was like, "This scene is like a scene out of Princess and the yeah. Cobbler," and we're doing that my fiftieth, so like you're gonna get to watch it and mm. kind of notice similarities. Yes, uh, yeah. So uh, all that remains is for us to score the film. Well, I feel like I know what Ellen's gonna, yes. <laughs> gonna give it. Look, yeah, no. Do I go first or is it technically? Um, I think it's... I mean traditionally we let the person who hasn't seen it uh, score it first. So Anna, if you would like to. What score would you give The Princess and the Cobbler out of 10? Well, considering that the version we saw wasn't the one that wasn't like a perfect final Mm. copy, I would give it... mm, I really enjoyed it. Like, it was really good. Mm. 
I think I would give it uh, eight golden balls out of ten. Absolutely. Um, okay, Alan, what, hit us with it. What are you giving this film out of ten? Look, I do have like rose-coloured glasses on with this one <laughs> because it was one that I grew up with and I've probably watched it about a thousand times. Like It's like this, it's Jurassic Park, it's Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I don't know what that says about me, that these are like the formative movie texts of See, like, for, for you, my childhood. <laughs> this is like your version of my Swan Princess. I mean, I watched Swan Princess a lot. But Which I, I watched this more. It's not a good film, but I would give that film a thousand out of ten. Yeah, because of the yeah, love I absolutely. have for it. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Look, I look. I love Swan Princess as well, and we got it at the same time. But we probably watched this one more. Yeah. And probably because my brother also enjoyed this one more than he would have enjoyed Swan Princess. Because I was like Swan Princess was like Swan Lake. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, that film was also very funny. I'm gonna make you do that one next, god, Stephen. Okay. Film. Okay. Good to know. You could do that with me. Oh, I'll just come and watch it. Um. <laughs> But I, I genuinely, legitimately think, especially considering the production history and how long it took to get this made, it's a, it's brilliant. I'm, I'm going to give it um, ten bejeweled back scratches <laughs> out of ten. I love this film. I love this film. I would, I would gladly watch this film tomorrow again, yeah. quite happily. Okay, it's just so fun. Yeah, um, I, I had a great time. Um, I, I really enjoyed. This film? Yeah, it's uh, I knew you would. Yes, you're, you're correct. I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I I do want to sort of like acknowledge the fact that it's a bit rough in parts. Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. like, like the, and it is entirely possible you as the viewer may not click with this film. And you may be sitting here going, why has there been this whole show of glowing praise for what is a mess? Like, yeah. I, I, and I could, What is a visually confusing, yeah. slightly nauseating mess? But it's definitely like... It's up my alley in mm. terms of like the, the things I like from the animation. Humor and the, yeah. yeah. Um, if it was just The Thief, it would be 10 out of 10. It might be my favorite <laughs> film. I mean, The Thief literally steals the film. He, he, at the end at the of end. the credits. Yeah, he, again, still... which is very Monty Python yeah. in The Holy well, Grail. Also, very Aladdin yeah. at the very end of that when the genie pops out and he like slightly moves the frames aside yeah. to do the major look thing like like again it's it's that connection but it's the fact he like pulls the celluloid off and stuffs it into it's shiny his, and, he yeah. wants it. and then he runs off with it yeah. and disappears into the nothingness yeah it, it's, it's so good it's just lovely He's so great uh but i mean aside from just really enjoying that character um th- there's a lot to enjoy it's a little bit rough um but it, it certainly, I think, was the right length. This was about 80 minutes, which mm. is... I think any longer it would have started... Well, you would have run out of story. Yeah. yeah. Really. And, like, it, it didn't drag. To be honest, it felt longer than 80 minutes in a good way. It felt mm. like, how have they fit all of this into, like, less than half of, like, I don't know, The Dark Knight or, like, yeah. like a big bat, <laughs> like a Batman film where there's, like, yeah. lots of stuff going on. It feels like they've crammed in, like, a whole bunch of stuff into what would be like the setup for like the Irishman or something yeah. like that. Oh, it's, God, yeah. it, it is pretty incredible. So I enjoy it, but I'm, I'm also, I'm not going to, I'm going to let my, my, my filled joy allow me to like give it a perfect score. Mm. I would give this film seven and a half thrown people out of 10. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just, and again, just that, the, there's so many great little details. Mm. The, just when Zigzag's performing his magic tricks for one eye. Like, there's so many great visual things happening there when he's throwing the cards around yeah, and he's like, oh, yeah. catching them as they fly away. And, like, the birds come out of his robe and they hold up a, a little flag <laughs> a that, says, that says, I am zigzag. Yeah. <laughs> 
which is like so beautifully vain. It's just like, yeah. it's a perfect shot, but it, they don't linger on it. It's like a throwaway perfect yeah. gag. Yeah. And, and yeah, this, this film is full of those things. Mm. Um, that's like one of my favourite things and it's such a little thing is when the king is like oh my daughter help me help me to help her and this little he turns to this little tiny kid who just has a little rubber duck toy on his string and he just holds it up to him like (laughs) I have a duck like it's such a tiny little detail it's so silly it is and, and you'll find if, if you rewatch it, you will notice other things and you'll be like, oh my God, things. every time I watch it, I notice something different. Like my favorite bit like that was when they ran out, when they were, um, Tack and the thief were chasing each other or Tack was chasing the thief through the palace and they run over what looks like a flat bit of pattern floor. And oh yeah. The next, there's an exactly, there's a mirrored pattern next to it, but it's a hole. But it's a hole and he goes down into <laughs> yeah. the gap. And so yeah. Tack suddenly hits a wall yeah. where the thief doesn't. And it's just like... he's gone around the outside edge of it. Again, it's, it's, it's the, the optical illusion. Yeah, it's so clever. Very, very well done. Mm. It's Very yeah, smooth. Mm. It's, and, and like if, if you love things like that and if you love Rube Goldberg machines... Oh, if, you love Rube, if you love MC Escher, if you love Rube Goldberg's machines, yeah. if you, you love will math, love this If film. you love mathematics, you'll love this film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you just won't be allowed to join the brigands because... Yeah. Uh, no. so, yeah. Yeah. But you could be the leader of them. You, you could. could. You could. There was a there was one that I noticed this time was way back at the beginning of it when you've got uh, Boromir man who's just got twenty arrows in his back oh, yeah. and he's leaving the One Eyes camp. Right before he get like as he's getting on the horse and right as he leaves, there is a guy in the bottom yeah, left who, corner of the who screen wasn't dead. who just kind of gets up a little bit and then uh, and just collapses, <laughs> perishes, just perishes. I've never noticed that before. Yeah. Okay, I actually missed that. So I'm gonna. Yeah, he was right near the horses. Who okay. You're gonna have to rewatch. I'm gonna have to rewatch it. this. Gonna oh, have to rewatch the whole what, film. What a shame. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's a really fun film, and uh, Ellen, a great choice for your fiftieth. Why? Well, thank yeah, you. Yeah, good uh, choice. Because either this or like notes on a scandal, which is just oh. super messed up. Yeah. No. Well, maybe maybe we'll space them out. One messed up, one one pleasant one. That might be the way to go. <laughs> yeah. My short list. I had like five films with Judy Dench on it. <laughs> She's very good. She's very good. She is very good. And then I had like, I think Major Pain was something I had shortlisted because I was like, I don't know if we'll do this mm. ever on this podcast otherwise. Because it's, yeah, not as mono. And then the, I, when I when I, when I I realized I could do this, I was like, no, I have to do this. Because I don't I'm think so it's, glad you did. Because I don't think it's coming up for a significant anniversary. No, like it's a it's reasonably so, obscure film. Not yeah, a lot it's so of people know it. Yeah, itself. Mm. Yeah, what exactly. What would it be grouped with? No, that's exactly it. And I yeah. was just like, nah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I love this film. I grew up on this film. It's one of my favorites. I'm doing it. Excellent. Well, so thank you for picking it. And Ellen and Anna, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Oh, thank you for having me. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. Uh, hey, if you're a member of the Princess and the Cobbler online fix-it community, um, let us know what some of your favorite bits are. Uh, we can be found on Facebook just by searching for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. You can join the group, like the page, all that sort of thing. Uh, we also have a Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You can get all sorts of bonus goodies and features, help us pick films in our upcoming catalog, that kind of thing. And of course, there is um, the fact we are released every week. Uh, every week, there's a new episode. And if you haven't subscribed by now, if you've been listening for the last five years but trying to find us, there's an easier way. There's a subscribe button on most of these things. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. Just press that and uh, we'll bring you a new episode each and every week. But that's all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. Farewell. Goodbye.
You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.